0: Hello New Lens fans, after the fact Calvin here. I just wanted to make a little statement at the beginning uh, of this episode before we get into it, because we forgot to talk about something that we were talking about, talking about (laughs) for a a long time before recording this episode. Um, I just want to bring up that this is coming out the day before Thanksgiving. I hope you are all happy and healthy in whatever you're doing. And most of all, uh, being safe in whatever you are planning on doing or currently doing, you know, with certain numbers and certain graphs in certain places. This is a time to be as safe as possible in whatever you're doing. So I urge you to be thinking about that. What I wanted to refer to that we've been talking about is the fact that for a Thanksgiving episode, we were hoping to talk about a film made by indigenous people and try and honor that history and uh, the history of that culture and those people and their art. And um, with the sort of premise of our podcast, where we are talking about things that we liked as kids through the new lens Not only was it hard to find uh, a film fitting that criteria that we had both seen and liked as kids, but one that even came out in that general period of time, or even previously, or even ones that have been critically and widely acclaimed since. So I urge you to look at the link in the description that uh, leads you towards a bunch of films by indigenous peoples that I think you should check out before you check out uh, Osmosis Jones, which we're going to get into, but um, it's an all right movie. But if you were going to spend time and invest in something after listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to take a look at that list and try and watch one of those movies first. Um, But since we were unable to find a film of such... We decided to talk about this film, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. listening to A New Lens. It's a podcast Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. We are on our season break from talking about Avatar episode by episode and uh, ooh, we brought up this movie uh, a while ago and I've been just itching to watch it ever since. I've been so excited.
1: Yeah, I've been sweating to watch
0: this one so i don't know you said
1: itching and i was like there's another i've been bodily functioning to watch this movie on a cellular level uh yeah no when we mentioned this i was like because i think i brought it up but we had talked about it right when we had the idea for this like i think it was an idea that you you threw out there but i remember seeing this movie in theaters it's one of those where i'm like Because a lot of these movies were movies I watched like a VHS over and over and over of. Right. This one, I remember seeing this in theaters and being like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. And then getting it and then watching it more. And then I haven't seen it since I was like, oh, when it was since that time, there was like a month after it went to video. I I don't even think I owned it on video. I think I rented it up blockbuster must
0: have like i it's so familiar and so like it's too familiar for a one-time
1: theater viewing as like a four-year-old yeah Yeah, that's there's no way a
0: video but uh the movie we're talking about of course is osmosis jones (laughs) yep (laughs) yep
1: (laughs) i I was gonna make a noise but then i was like i don't know I don't know what noise goes along with this movie. A fart, probably. (laughs) (laughs) A fart, honestly, yeah. And that is a great way for me to just say I was very surprised at how adult this movie is, which we didn't get into. Yeah, in a lot of ways. But that's the first thing that is popping into my head right now. Um, I saw
0: someone online uh, who phrased it this way as I was doing some research for this movie, and they phrased it the way that they said... It seems like the creators of this movie were trying to gross out all age groups. And they accomplished (laughs) that. Absolutely. I agree
1: completely. Um, Speaking of these filmmakers and creators, I think you did a little research on uh, how this movie came to be. Because it is an interesting movie. And I'm sure there's some interesting... I don't know, some context to oh, that. Oh, yes.
0: Okay, so I, I have some stuff to bring up. So so I a this. script evolved from a man named Mark Hyman, which is <laughs> kind of funny, but um, he does not have very many writing credits, actually. Nope. When um,
1: I looked through his credits, he mostly does buffing. Like he'll take a yeah. script and I forget what the word that's used professionally is, but basically his job is to take a script and be like, eh, I could. Throw some jokes into this. (laughs) Yeah, totally. He did that with, like, Transformers. How to Train uh, Your Dragon. How to Train Your Dragon. So what I imagine is he takes movies after a test audience, watched them, and everyone in the audience was like, it was good. It just wasn't very funny. Right. And then he adds the jokes. (laughs) Yeah, Which makes a lot of sense. It does. When you think about it in the context of this film.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of really good clever like puns and jokes in in the script the whole like the movie is kind of, of this movie that was like the thing that i was
1: hoping for going yeah. into this like i hope it's clever because this is such really, a it really was it really it was, was like the driving clever. force of this movie yes it was yeah the, to me like anytime i was not super into an aspect of the movie there was always something that i could be like <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 like a club but it's their zit right so it, that's <laughs> yeah. funny you know yeah.
0: what I mean totally so here you are with this clever script and uh they get funding for it but they have a lot of trouble in production what they do is they start producing the they start designs and production on the animated part of this movie and the person who steps in to do that, His name is Tom Sito, Sito, S-I-T-O. This is a man who worked for Disney. He is the writer of The Lion King. He worked on all those early uh, Disney animation movies, The Little Mermaid, The Lion King, all those things. And he is one of the people who left Disney to start DreamWorks. Like, he is one of the founding forces of DreamWorks animation so here is a man very very experienced at making very good animation movie (laughs) but he was not the director of this movie so he had already done a bunch of work and they had a lot of trouble finding somebody to actually take the helm of this movie and the people that they found to do it were the filmmaking brothers Bobby and Peter Farrelly who. (laughs) i Um, okay these are the kind of guys
1: where if they hadn't made one movie i could confidently say yeah i like these guys they're funny they've made some funny movies from my past like okay dumb and dumb something about mary something Something i totally grew up watching with my mom
0: dumb and dumber uh that 2012 actually... Three Stooges, which is, is another, like, I haven't seen it, but I think it informs the type of directors that were charging this movie because oh, I watched the trailer. And... Shallow Hal, too. Yes, I'm so sorry that for I'm, cutting that's, you off. That's the one that, no. So there are two movies that to. they have done. Oh, there's two. That... There's another one as well. Well, Shallow their Hal, most recent movie, man. I haven't seen it, but oof. What's the most recent one?
1: They did Green Book. Really? Yes.
0: <laughs> okay, that's going to inform some discussion we have These later guys on as well. Have
1: won Best Picture. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's wild to me. That's so wild.
1: It was okay. Wait, it was just Peter Farrelly. So okay. maybe his brother is like heavily influential on his humor. Sure, but Green Book. I don't know. That movie is a comedy. <laughs> like Green Book has been
0: criticized so much for being like the most white savior movie of all time. And I mean starting to dabble a little bit into the writing but also the handling of all of this. I I was aware that it's kind of cool that the main character, Chris Rock and most of the the, the other like sort of community members in this society they establish, as well as uh, Brandy Norwood, who is, uh, I think she just goes by Brandy, and she's like an R&B star. She, uh, I haven't really heard of her before, I think, but so she, I, I re- love her because she was in a lot, but.
1: the uh, Cinderella that came out in 97, which is one that I'm not as like, whoa, as a lot of the ones we do on here, but definitely was a movie I grew up with. And she's just, I mean, its if you've seen her, she's fucking gorgeous and she's Cinderella. So, like, I don't know. But then she also is in I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, which is a terrible sequel to a terrible, like, horror movie, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. And uh, it's a Jennifer Love Hewitt horror movie. And I remember, I think she was one of my, like, first crushes growing up. Brandi oh really? Norwood. Oh wow! Yeah. Now that I'm like thinking about it, and I might have even had a crush on her in *Osmosis Jones* because her voice yeah. acting oh, is.
0: Yeah.
1: I get why Jones has a crush on this girl.
0: It's very good. A little well, pushy
1: sometimes with his sure. actions, but I get why he is
0: into her. You know. Yeah. the The point I'm trying to get at a little bit here is that the animated, not actually seen people. Whereas it's cool to normalize and not make specific commentary about the fact that they're sort of, you know, they have a lot of influences from, you know, early 2000s black culture. Which is cool, but also knowing that this whole thing was headed by a bunch of white dudes, the two directors of which, like, went on to make... Uh, green book which I think is something that like tries to be progressive but, but doesn't also quite get the mark you telling me that this
1: animation side was well on its way before they ever even that's joined true. the project that's makes true. me understand why it's so prevalent because this isn't yeah. just like a little like there's one character and it's honestly a little bit uh race I don't know if I like that yeah no like they I think the animation section of this Speaking as a white dude from uh, Minnesota. Yeah, uh, that's the perspective that we've got. I felt like it was done a lot better than like 90% of uh, animation with those influences these days. Do you know what I mean by that? I do think so, yes. They didn't shy away from aspects of like what that is to make it like. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like, a, right. I don't know the word I'm looking for. Appropriation? Is yeah. that appropriation? I, I, yes, I, I think. Yeah, it I, it yeah. felt well, well handled. And then now that you say that, that makes me go, oh, shit. Of course. Like, of course, then all of the live action actors, every single one is white.
0: I only spotted one person of color in the entire movie, and it was uh, a young black girl in the classroom, in like a classroom of of like 25 little white kids. There's one black girl. Yeah, I don't And even that was the only person that. of color that I saw in the whole live action part. And so, and I actually want to go backwards a little bit on something I said, laying some of the blame of how that's handled on these directors, because part of this production, uh, you know, pre-production that I want to talk about and sort of administration of this movie is Bobby and Peter Farrelly I read that they essentially had no hand at all in the animation side of this movie. So pretty much all that they did was shoot the live action stuff and then string it to get, string it all together. Interesting. And critically, the live action stuff is everything that all the critics had problems with. Like, it's everybody what I loved the with, animation too. stuff and all of the live action stuff. And yeah, me too, watching this movie. The live action. Every time it went to live action.
1: All right. Yeah. And every time we dove back into that animated world, I perked up in my seat. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. But I, so yeah, I think they didn't have any sort of hand on the pulse of, you know, those aspects of trying to get, you know, not just rote white people as the characters here. And then when they're casting the live action stuff, it's completely white. So they, I think they just sort of string together some good stuff. But, yeah, it it, it uh, doesn't always hit. Um, but and on that note of it not always hitting,
1: I think that the thought process for these directors and whoever decided to employ these directors is like, okay, what kind of humor can be live action and match right, an animated sure. movie's humor? Mm-hmm. The guys who made Dumb and Dumber, duh. Yeah. It does make sense. It does. But I think the problem here... Is that there's just a difference between adult men being like, "Hey, you know it'd be gross," <laughs> and little kids laughing at farts. Right. You know what I mean by that? Yes. And yeah. there's something about the animation side of this movie that feels energetic, and something about the live action stuff in this movie that feels the opposite. Like it feels right. like everyone involved is. It felt kind of Inspector Gadgety. Yeah,
0: yeah. I get Did you that. catch that at all? Yes, absolutely. Get that vibe? It's just yeah.
1: a little like like Bill Murray was like, What the fuck am I doing here? This whole movie. <laughs> absolutely. Which you I was actually not into it at all. Yeah, I was just saying, like, I think it was on our last episode where I was talking about Bill Murray. It was like or maybe it was I was talking to someone else, but I said, Is it a movie where Bill Murray uh is an asshole and <laughs> it's the part? Or was he just an asshole and it affected his yeah. uh his role? Yeah. or is he an asshole and you like him like groundhog day and ghostbusters sure. except now ghostbusters is even starting to fade in that aspect groundhog yeah. day still works i just recently rewatched it something about him in that movie still by the good. end you're like okay i like bill murray yeah but like this one i don't know there was something about him just throughout the movie where i was like fuck that guy I yeah want, oh, i man. want an actor who gives a shit to be doing this shit you know i think, I think like that... his friend was great right I yeah thought.
0: yeah I think it's partially the writing. Like this dude is so <laughs> shitty. So there's like one line in the whole movie that made me go, "Oh." And that's when they're at the science fair and he's like, well, "Why don't you like learn them something about volcanoes?" And I was like, ah, "I don't know. That's that's a cool dad move, but pretty much every other moment is written that he's just so shitty the worst. and gross. Um yeah. I do want to say, though, like it feels like two different scripts, even, which is partially what's yeah. confusing to me because the script of the animated stuff and what's going on inside the world of Frank is so clever and cool and engaging. While we're on the the subject, trying to get a little bit more into writing, um, just for those of you who haven't rewatched this movie in preparation for listening to this episode, uh, it's not really actually streaming anywhere either, but uh, I think we both rented it for like two bucks. I bet YouTube. HBO will get it because they got
1: a lot of Warner Brothers stuff.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: There was something about it when I was watching it that I was like, this feels like it's about to have a resurgence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it just felt like it
0: anyway. Totally. Well, uh, let me just recap it a little bit for you. This is the story of uh, the world inside Frank, who is played by Bill Murray. He's a zookeeper. And at the beginning of the movie, he's eating a boiled egg and it's, it's so gross. And this monkey steals it and puts it in his mouth and then drops it on the ground where like probably a bunch of monkey doo doo is. And he still eats this, this boiled egg. Like, and,
1: clearly dirty, too. It, he didn't even brush
0: the dirt. Right. <laughs> it's so gross. And he eats this. And as he's eating it, we get a zoom in to his body as he's munching on this. And we see the, the sort of cells involved in, like, maintaining his mouth and everything. And
1: as we do, it becomes animated.
0: Right. Yes. And while we're there and this animation has come in now, we meet our main character, Osmosis Jones, voiced by Chris Rock, who is clearly a sort of like deadbeat cop who, you know, people don't really have respect for anymore. He's been given like, you know, sort of inconsequential jobs. And basically this virus comes from this egg and starts wreaking havoc on Frank's body. Osmosis Jones gets back and he finally gets a chance to uh, get a new, he finally gets a chance to make a name for himself when he goes into his boss's office, this sort of classic, you know, head honcho cop who says that he'll give him this job of going to the throat and investigating that with the help of Drix who is the, uh, you know, manifestation, sort of, you know, person- personified manifestation of this cold pill that Frank takes once he starts feeling, feeling the effects of this virus. We also learn about sort of the political landscape of what's going on inside Frank's body. The mayor is a, you know, total dickhead who's trying to just suppress any information about anything going wrong and just say you know we've been living fine you've got uh what's his name the ron howard it's voiced by ron howard i forget the name of the guy but i mean it's ron howard basically that's all you really need just, to know as soon as he starts um, talking i'm like am so i watching good. arrested development <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally i love ron howard's voice oh, i just i love
1: it um oh and his Oh, now that i'm remembering it his name was like colon something because he's from the colon right yeah
0: yeah it was like yeah colon guy <laughs> colon guy <laughs> i should have written that down but um, but he was basically
1: like a bernie sanders or something you <laughs> yeah, know like sort of, a, uh,
0: not quite as i'm much, a man but, for the people i don't know that's yeah. uh the the Ties to real life figures don't have to be there necessarily, but um, they start investigating what's going on with this virus throughout the body. This virus is wreaking havoc in different centers, but trying to remain hidden by only giving symptoms of a common cold and doing so mostly effectively. And then everything sort of comes to a head as he actually makes his way to, they they think they've defeated him at this zit that Frank forms and he makes his way to the hypothalamus and steals something that basically takes away Frank's ability to regulate his own heat, um, his own body heat. And he starts to get extremely, extremely ill Uh, in the real life storyline. Frank is trying to, connect with his daughter, he's really messing it up, and his daughter's worried about his health because all he eats is fried chicken and, like, gets cramps and falls over and, like, complains and stuff. Um, and he, we also find out that Osmosis Jones was the reason that Frank has issues with his daughter's teacher because one time... There was a virus that came into his body, and Osmosis Jones made him puke, and he puked all over. Frank puked all over this teacher, and it caused a lot of issues, which is making it more difficult for him to connect with his daughter. But everything sort of uh, resolves itself as they, as Osmosis Jones has a final face off with Thrax, this main villain, this virus, uh, voiced by Lawrence Fishburne. Fuck yeah. And yeah, we have sort of a sweet ending that doesn't necessarily feel like it makes a whole lot of sense, but uh all in all it's uh it's an enjoyable ride and I think we've talked uh, a good amount about the, you know, the buddy copness, the story feels classic, the clever um, you know, turns of phrase and everything. I have a bunch yeah, of we them could written talk down about
1: puns
0: yeah. for probably the entire episode. Probably. It, it's
1: all There's a couple moments where I I think I went, okay, But like ninety nine percent of the puns and turn of phrasing and things like that in this movie made me laugh, which I was really appreciative of.
0: Yeah, you're up spit (laughs) creek. That shit
1: cracked me up. Or or the founder and it's just a statue of a uh, a fucking sperm. Yeah. I love, or you know, uh, little things like Osmosis Jones being like, I've had, uh, I've been in, or my family's been in the force since my great great grandpa. Right. Ever since I came in in the umbilical cord. <laughs> right. And it's yeah. just like there are things like that that aren't just clever and funny, but are also like, yeah, that's how it works. Right. Like, yeah. They. They we do have that the cells well. that were basically transferred to us from our parents. So like his great-great-grandfather being a white blood cell that beat the measles on Frank's grandpa. Yeah. Like, I don't know, stuff like that. It's funny, but it also, like, when I thought about it for more than a second, I was able to go, that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, totally.
0: One of my favorites of these, (laughs) it's a quick moment, but uh, one of the people is trying to, like a reporter is trying to, ask this question of the mayor and he's like do you want to address all of the hair cells that have been laid off in the last week and he says oh there'll be plenty of jobs for them in the back yeah (laughs) that shit is so clever yeah there's a lot of that stuff and it's it it works very well
1: and since you said earlier what you said about there's almost feeling like two scripts yeah i think the main reason for that is because the live action stuff didn't have a crutch like that till like Right. To yeah. loan it any good humor. All right. of the humor is reliant on the gross factor, which is germs. Right. But in live action, that's actually gross. It's actually you gross. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, actually, that monkey had its finger in its butt. Right. You know, that was... Right. N- and then... I don't know. There's a lot. There's a ton of things that happen in this movie. Him putting his ingrown toenail on the oh, fucking.
0: God. And that's which part by of the, the script. Way, like, I like that they zoom in and they're at the ingrown toenail, but. Me too. Yeah. But the fact that they re- could have do live action him him being written in the do his that? on the toenail is gross.
1: I'm pretty sure that was a real, just like not well taken care of foot. (laughs) It didn't didn't look like a good makeup effect. It just looked like a not well taken care of foot. And they were like, hey, Bill Murray, your foot looks bad. Can we use it for the scene? (laughs) But uh, that also didn't really make sense because they were were at a beach and it was a beach restaurant, which, come on, I mean, everyone's barefoot there. Give me a break.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of... in, (laughs) In the live action stuff, no, totally, there's a lot of little details that you're like, I mean, come on. And also, like, why is the teacher... Why does she have a restraining order a 200 on A two hundred
1: yard restraining yeah, order
0: for throwing up on her one time by accident. Like, so
1: the it, way the motivations that, aren't there, and they kind of go into that a little. And they, it's a, it's another one of those things where if this whole movie was animated, it probably would take a huge aspect away from it, right? But it would maybe work better because yeah. the things that happen feel like things that happen in animated movies. They tell us in, like, a matter of 10 seconds that because of him throwing up on her, he had to stop going to his job at the pea soup factory.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what the hell?
1: (laughs) And now he's a zookeeper. Which yeah. caused him a ninety percent pay decrease. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh my God. You, <laughs> you know much things was he like that. At the pea soup factory. <laughs> what are we doing at the zookeepers? pea soup factory? Yeah. Like all of that sort of little stuff just feels so. What's going on here? It doesn't have the the. But then I motivation.
1: will say there was a a moment in the animated si- animated side where Thrax, when he finally does make it into the brain and sees the nightmares of frank right it kind of hit me i was kind of like oh shit this is like more effective because of the live action i'm seeing like a mother and a baby and they've been alluding to this mom having passed away but not they haven't been like slamming it down my throat you know it's just like this thing and now i'm like feeling it you know
0: well yeah it's an interesting kind of bold move the only Really successful movie before this to try and mix animation and live action uh, as much as this movie does was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was a, a huge success. It's a perfect movie, high contender. If you for haven't this, seen it for this podcast too. You should. I haven't seen it in a while. That, yeah,
1: so that would be cool. I own it on DVD just because. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah, it's I, a good one.
1: That it's Zemeckis, dude. That was maybe. One of his best movies. Sorry.
0: Oh, oh, man. This movie was such a flop. This movie cost $70 million and made $13 million. Wow.
1: We were the only ones that went to it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. I spent $7 million on it.
1: <laughs> I bought out all the theaters. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. That yeah. sucks.
0: And it was mostly because of the sort of failure of the live action side.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, when you think about that, like that's not a movie I would want to bring my kids to, And depending on my kids, they might not want to watch it. I think right. you and I just were part of that faction of like, well, being like boys, you know what I mean like <laughs> sure, I think this is such a like movie made for boys raised with raised within like kind of a patriarchal sure uh, system without being aware of it. Right. Um, the reason I clarify that is because I think that's becoming less and less of a problem. So movies like this don't feel like boy movies. Sure. But at the time it came out, I think that's like a huge reason me as like a little pick no- nose-picking boy was so into it. You know, it's like right. <laughs> flirts. Right. But it didn't work for everyone. And if it was just the animation, which they then went on to make a show of to try that out. Right. And- That didn't even really work out.
0: This actually also reminds me, because of the sort of like, uh, boy movie aspect of it, it feels very cliche. I think this is very sort of early 2000s movie as well. It reminds me of a through line of this movie that in trying to sort of wrap up the recap, I left out a little bit. The mayor's assistant, Leah, voiced by Brandy Norwood, as we touched on, is a very like Important character to the plot of this movie in the first half, and then in the second half is just someone for Osmosis Jones to kiss. Which yeah, hundred percent is. Pretty and shitty. do we see her as mayor
1: in the end of this movie? I don't think we. Did. I don't think did we, we do. That she should could have be. made a big thing. Because the whole movie kind of. You have this feeling like, wow, the mayor's assistant knows how to do his job yeah, better than him. Right. But they never actually like followed through with that, except for a couple lines, like her being like, "Sir, I think this is happening," and right. then her being like, "I'm going to speak to him as his subconscious." You know what I mean? When <laughs> right, she like yeah. spoke to Frank, but like it didn't. Yeah, she her character didn't have enough um, importance. Simple as yep. that. She yep. was not an important character after about forty five minutes, and. Right. That's that's what I was talking about earlier, too, when I said, like, I understand why he digs this girl, but he went a little far. I hate that trope of, Ugh. like, just kissing her, yeah. just doing it. Like, she literally, the last thing she told you was like, no, I'm not into it, dude. <laughs> you know <laughs> right. Like, yeah. it would be different if they had, which they almost do have a flirty thing going on. Like, okay, the, the relationship of, yeah. that I think they're trying to make it feel like. Is Mike Sullivan and the Medusa looking? Oh yeah, um, I forget her name in uh, Monsters Inc. Yeah, where they like she's like, you know, fuck you, but I love you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Except this character is just like fuck you, right? (laughs) And then he kisses her, so it's like, yeah. Thank God she was okay with that. I mean,
0: yeah. In the beginning of it, I feel like there's actually a good transition. Uh, into the actors, I feel like it's mostly sold by the performance, the voice performance of Chris Rock, which I think is I agree very well done in this movie. And actually, Brandy as well is very mm-hmm. is very good in those first scenes. You know, when he first sees her and he like makes his chin bigger and slicks back his hair and <laughs> yeah. goes up and he's like flirting with her. Clearly, they know each other, and she's kind of like she's flirting with him a bit, but she's like, no way, you know, like that yeah. that sort of thing it feels pretty organic but i feel like it's sold i i think chris rock is really uh charming in this movie yeah this is one of my favorite like i'm not a huge
1: fan of he just i'm imagining his voice as another character and i can't even think of the character
0: madagascar He's Is he Madagascar. the zebra in Madagascar? Yeah, I think he isn't the zebra in Madagascar. I'm
1: not a huge fan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't dislike Chris Rock. Yeah. But going into this, I had forgotten he was the main dude. Right. And as soon as he started talking, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. in. Like, there's something about him, just like, he feels very, very much like he's in this world. And yeah. speaking on that, so does Thrax, played yes. by Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. He doesn't, I didn't think it was Lawrence Fishburne. Like, yeah. Right. After the movie ended, when I looked at that, I was like, "Yeah, that makes a lot of sense." That was him, it, but like, but... he was not playing the booming character that yeah. we've gotten to know now. Like, right. I think of Lawrence Fishburne now. I think of like how he was on Hannibal.
0: Yeah,
1: everyone out of this
0: room <laughs> now. Yeah, right. You know what right. I mean? And it's totally. like, holy shit, he can clear a room.
1: <laughs> this yeah. movie, he was like
0: this. Yeah, you know, he and had it like worked. A deep,
1: sizzling effect. Uh, and, and, yeah,
0: and the way he sells the lines to, like, feel very fitting to the character he feels in this heat. world. Like, this cat was sick before I even got here. Like, I, it, those sort of lines, like, they could feel cheesy, but they feel so but he true to this it. character. He nails it. Totally. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne yeah. really sells it. I also really like the chemistry between chris rock and david hyde pierce who plays Me too. uh drax or right dricks dricks <laughs> i got thrax and dricks mixed up it's two <laughs> x characters yeah, come on like, come on guys x. um but most people but that's why
1: he calls him drips
0: the whole time i'm sure too you know <laughs> yeah he gives him like a slightly different right totally um most people will know david hyde pierce i, I mean he's a He's done a lot, but most people will probably know him from his role on Frasier. He was Frasier's brother, Niles. Um, I haven't even really, I've watched a few episodes of Frasier. And, Frasier's uh, one of those shows that I have a lot it. of adults in my life that tell me,
1: dude, it's one of the best shows. It's like as good as Seinfeld. It's yeah. like one of those. And I just never got into it. Yep. I think you need to be into it to get into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hate to admit it. But I'm kind of the same with Cheers. Yeah, I've always wanted I, I to get, get into you. Cheers. But I think it has something to do with being a part of that generation watching it. You know I what I mean? I think so,
0: too. I think so, too. Although I, I know people our age who enjoy both of those shows. Me, too. That's it's you know, something I, I feel like you got to.
1: It's kind of like what I think invest. maybe will happen to Community. Oh, interesting. Because I tried rewatching Community. Yeah. And I like it a lot. But there are some things in it that I'm like. I liked this kind of humor a lot more when I was 21 than I sure. do now that I'm 24, which is sure. only three years. Yeah. But you know what I mean?
0: It might age that way. But we'll still enjoy it, but like, it yes, might not but hit our, as well for our people. Our kids will be like, just this discovering is fucking right. not fun <laughs> right. to watch. Not that <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: saying that about Cheers and Frasier. I haven't no, watched yeah. enough of them to give them that. But yeah, wow, he's great in this movie. He reminded me of like the perfect what he was like when you see him and you're like okay this pill guy is about to open his mouth what's the voice going to be and then it just is that that. (laughs) yeah yep hello i am here from i can't even do it no totally it's perfect it's pretty
0: specific too it's it seems like a generic like character that we know and sort of a character voice we know but also you know like i couldn't recreate it right now for you but exactly
1: Yeah. yeah it it's great and i like the dynamics that now that I'm talking about this guy, this character, because mm-hmm. we haven't enough. Yeah. Uh, him being a pill and then <laughs> right. them like extracting what actually is in that pill because they say mm-hmm. like, you know, that's ninety ninety nine 99% sugar anyway. And right. it's, that's true. Like most of the pills we take that we get are mostly things to make it not taste like fucking shit. <laughs> and then the actual <laughs> yeah. thing is like, a little and then when the they're bit. driving down the road and he's like, it's okay, I'm 3% Dremamine, right? which is, that's... I take that because I have motion sickness. That's motion sickness medication. So like those little jokes and things, I think his character played a really big part in making a lot of humor work for me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And he tied a lot in with the universe being like real to the people in it. Like all the germs and stuff were in a fucking society. It's like a city. Right. Which doesn't make sense. yeah. But him being there and being like this hero that saves the day and doing what he does. And then when you connect the dots, like, oh, when I take a pill, it's like, you know, relief for this amount of time. And it does this to my body. And like, this is just a really cool way of showing that. I don't know. It made me also go, okay, yeah, the armpits are the sauna that like the mobsters hang out. Oh, I love that shit. Shit like that. I love that. You know? And I really think that it having a character that enters the body through the form of a pill i know that's right. so specific but it just helped me it does suspend help my disbelief yeah totally yeah. totally <laughs> or like when <laughs> this is a totally random thing to say but i cannot let it go mm. when that girl on the school bus sticks the fake eyelashes on the daughter <laughs> and she just like <laughs> like <laughs> smushes it on like the top of her eyelet eyelash and then goes See, you look yeah. great with fakes, fake fake <laughs> lashes and I'm just thinking like
0: oh my god
1: this I cannot suspend my <laughs> yeah, disbelief for. right
0: yeah no there's You see her like
1: almost that. like poke her in the eye when they're like going over like pops
0: <laughs> It's like for the sake of the plot in the in the live action section of this movie, they need her to have fake eyelashes on. They need her to be on the bus so that they can drive by and see him there. But why is she doing her makeup on the bus? Like
1: that's so she stupid. She almost pokes her eye out. You see yeah. her like move
0: like, and like, bonk squishes <laughs> oh, it on. God.
1: Yeah. yeah, you look great with. They even call him a name. Falsies. That's what they say. Right. You look great with yeah. falsies. Right, and then. I'm pretty sure Osmosis Jones calls it a falsie. He does. He doesn't he does say later. this is. A, he's like, oh no, it's a falsie. So like, even he
0: knows what it's. I don't know yeah. like, the slang for it because I didn't know what that term meant. You know. While we're on the subject of of the girl, the daughter, Shane, she's actually she's not bad in this. I mean, like no, for a little kid actor in this movie, like she's fitting and... for what it for what it is.
1: And imagine being that age and then being in a movie with Bill Murray. Right. As like the only other guy you're acting with. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be
0: intimidating. I think she sells. She doesn't
1: feel intimidated.
0: She sells the daughter caring after her like idiot father (laughs) pretty well.
1: Yeah. And there are writing things that hinder her performance, but her performance doesn't hinder the writing at all. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I I I. Especially, there are some like kind of touching moments and kind of deep moments where when she delivers dialogue, it needs to be deep.
0: Like when she's trying to convince her dad that the way they're eating and like treating their bodies might have been part of the reason that her mom passed away. That, that hit that is like the only live action move or live action scene that hit me. And she did a good job with that. And I also
1: did, I know it might have been just the cheese in me. Yeah. But when Bill Murray kind of wakes up, mom says hi. Yeah. That made me feel something too. I did. I felt something there. Yeah. I'll admit it. But her performance is why, I think, not Bill's. I think it was her. She, like, being a kid, I bet it's hard to cry act. You know what I mean yes, by that? Yes, absolutely. And she didn't feel like how sometimes I'm watching a movie with a kid in it and I'm like, uh, what did they have to do to that kid to make him cry? Right. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? It's fucked that I even say that. But, like, I was watching, uh, I forgot what movie I was watching, but I was watching a commentary of it. And there was, oh, it was Looper. Oh, And nice. the little kid in Looper oh, apparently so could not, he just could not handle the fake blood. And there's a oh. scene where he's, like, covered in it. And all oh. of his emotions in that scene are just really what he was feeling because he had to be in makeup. Wow. And Ryan Johnson in the commentary was like, "Yeah, this we literally, I literally changed the scene so that we could get him the fuck out of that makeup and then film the rest of it with him, yeah, huddled into his mom." So wow. if you noticed in the movie that scene, he's like hugging someone for most of it because Ryan Johnson isn't a shitty guy and right. realized like, wait, this isn't acting. He actually is uncomfortable. Right. Let's help this kid out. Yeah. And ever since that, like, commentary, I just think about that now. I'm like, damn, that's probably a kid actually crying because something was tapped into. But this doesn't feel like that. I'm going to say that. This feels like acting, but good acting, you know? Yes,
0: absolutely. I mean, also because the writing is a little clunky that she has to like run over to him at the end and like be crying over his body close enough that that osmosis jones can fall back into his mouth
1: it felt like a less realistic depiction of a hospital than any hospital show i've ever seen like you know that there's this viral clip from fucking some soap opera where like someone drops a heart that's supposed to be transplanted and then a dog runs off from off, <laughs> off camera and gets it yeah have you seen this clip it's I like a viral so. clip from yeah. some show from some show and it feels like it took place in this hospital <laughs> like, like his there's he starts no flatlining and they just give up <laughs> yeah i'm calling it and the <laughs> doctors are all like 23
0: yeah what the <laughs> hell. like
1: the main doctor come on man breathe come on man we're older yeah. than him now. You know, it's so funny looking at things and Yeah, they're
0: just like Yeah, there's just some classic. I feel stuff like there. those actors did the best with what they could. Um talking about a couple of the other like, you know, periphery actors, I can't believe we haven't brought his name up yet. The mayor is played by William Shatner. And I know. he's a really good part of this movie, actually. William Shatner in this role is so perfect. Yeah, it's
1: one of those things where it really sucks that this movie flopped because this would yeah. be one of those performances we talk about like right i don't want to overdo it but honestly like michael myers playing shrek people talk about that yeah, being right like an iconic vocal performance also
0: something tom's tom sito tom was involved in the production classic. of classic yeah. of course he was Yep. wow that's so cool to know i didn't see his name when i was like scrolling through real quick so yeah. i'm glad you found that out well yeah it's so weird tom sito Saito, I don't know how to say his name, Maybe Saito? They, maybe maybe <laughs> I'm giving you a but third one. His name is in like Cito. the very middle of this like huge list of animators on the IMDb page. You would never see him and he was basically his, like and he was the like dude basically who basically the it. dude who made this movie. <laughs> like it's so wild. Yeah. That is wild.
1: Um that's animation too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I don't know what the video was called and I don't even know if it's just one video or a series of videos, but I suggest to everyone listening just to take a little time and research how animators are treated, Yeah. specifically the movie Life of Pi. Yeah. There is a story about, about the animation department in that movie that will leave you with so much more respect for animators than you ever had. And this story right now is making me like, fuck, just yep. another thing, you know, because mm-hmm. The Farrelly brothers are, like, the people who are, like, oh, they made this movie. Right. But yep. I think they just, like, patched it up.
0: Yeah. I th- you know th- what I really mean? I think they did. Um, they directed some of the live-action stuff. I actually really like the involvement of Chris Elliott, the friend, and Molly Shannon, who's the teacher. They they, Another they couple sell of
1: it. examples of, like, this movie, if it just was a little less clunky- would have been like a school of rock type thing, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Where every role was perfect, and the friend was even. Oh my God, it's that guy, you yeah, know? Right. But this time when I was watching that, I wasn't able to fully go, "Oh my God," because I was like, "There, he's like chewing a cigar while they're cleaning up right. donkey Man, poop Chris and then the stupid with line." That cigar. <laughs> That's another thing about this movie that we didn't really dive into, right. and we don't need to for more than a minute. But it's very adult. They it don't is. have. Like, the like characters in this movie talks drink about beer. He picking up cigarettes. Yup. And this dude's chewing on a cigar. Yep. And I don't know. Like, shit like that is why, while watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's why we didn't find it on Disney+. Plus. Right. Not just because it's not Disney, but, like... This yeah. is not Disney. You know? Yeah,
0: right. And there's a lot of sexual innuendo as well. Yes, a and lot like, of sexual innuendos too. Um, or like the moment where he says, you know, the dangly thing. He's talking about the uvula and he turns around to go. <laughs> to go The dangly thing in boxers? The, yeah, in the boxers. And he's like, the other dangly thing. <laughs> Uh yeah. Anyway, um. But I do feel Chris Elliott sold his role with the with the zookeeper friend with the cigar in his mouth. Except for one scene when he's like taking the daughter to the hospital and she's like, "Yes, my dad's gonna be okay." Be okay. And it's like clearly overdubbed, but even the overdubbed voice does not fix it. Like it's still bad. And no, if you see his face, it it's really bad. Of him
1: like, feels Ugh. like it's out of like the whole movie feels one step above not even disney channel original movie but like a a level below that even this is like a this is kind of disney channel original movie level yeah that moment was one below like that was a this would work on a kids tv movie right for kids yeah but this is a movie that's in theaters so it
0: just doesn't work one more celebrity (laughs) They got Kid Rock to be to Kidney, play Rock. Kidney Rock. Rock. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And then when That's you... Okay, funny.
1: but then I wanted to... Now, I'm glad you pointed that out. Because when you start to look at the credits, just like top build cast. So, Kid Rock played Kidney Rock. But so did Kenny Olsen, Jason Krause... Joe C,
0: Stephanie Uhlenberg, Jimmy Bones, and Uncle Cracker. Oh, my God. I mean, I noticed, like, two kids who were also singing and stuff. But So, what I'm thinking the deal was is Kid Rock. It
1: sounded like Kid Rock. So, I think it's his voice. And I think him and all of these people got together and made the music of Kid Rock or of Kidney Rock. Because Uncle Cracker, he's the guy who sings... Don't know how you met me. Don't know why you can oh, yeah, turn yeah, yeah. around and say goodbye. That that's like the song he he wrote. You yeah. Know? So like I think that's the song that everyone knows him from. But I didn't hear his voice in this movie. So I'm thinking he helped write, maybe, or No idea. I don't know. The yeah. fact that they have six peop seven people listed as kidney rock, though, just really was like,
0: huh? And there are a lot of our musicians like Joe C is
1: another musician.
0: I think this is a good segue actually into, you know, more of the specific production notes. I feel like we've talked about a lot of them already, but just to touch on some specific stuff. I feel like the musical choices in this movie were actually really really well done. The the way they weave in and out of like, you know, early 2000s hip hop and, you know, 90s R&B, as well as this like buddy cop saxophone music, as well as yeah, these like and I didn't, in, emotional stringed moments, like
1: I felt like a lot of the songs played didn't feel like fake movie songs. Yeah. Uh, where like the song was written for the movie. Except for the Kid like, Rock there's a one, song. Yes. <laughs> The kid, Yeah, no, because yeah, that's yeah. a performance within right, the movie, right, you know? Right, exactly, exactly. But there's, like, a moment where we have kind of, like, a – I think of it as, like, the bridge of the movie, you know? And there's always, like, two-thirds of the way into the movie, like, some establishing shots with some slow music. Yeah. And the, the song was, like, an R&B chill, like, good song. And I was reading the lyrics of it and trying to think, like, is this a – within the universe created just for this movie song or is this just you know like spider-man into the spider-verse where they actually just used songs that totally this character would totally be listening to yeah i didn't look it up and i i don't feel like i need to Mm because it the fact that i questioned it is what makes it good you know what i mean totally i love it when a movie does that has like a line of like yeah this is all like music that osmosis jones listens to Right. But it sounds just like the music you listen to. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's it's cool. But at the same time, it very well could have just been straight up like an album that I just didn't recognize. Yeah, you know what I that's mean? That's
0: true. Uh while we're on sounds, I think one of the main things make making this gross, especially in the live action stuff, is the sound design. Oh God. Like when he's putting the mayo on the boiled egg at the oh. very beginning, <laughs> Oh, God, it's so bad. And the sound of the zit popping and the, like, oh. Even the salt shaker kind of bothered me a little. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. But it's interesting. And this is into uh, another element is, like, I feel like they had some of those, like, sludgy, probably more of them, actually, like, sounds in the animation, but there's something about the way that it's done that does not make me feel uncomfortable. Even in, I realized it when the uh, he starts getting a runny nose, like the dam breaks in his in his yeah. nose. In the animation, though, while that snot's flowing down, I mean, it's gross, but I'm not going, oh god like no looking away like, like, cool. like i am at other points it's kind of like oh gross they're on a like snot wave yeah. and then the snot actually comes out of his nose and it's like it doesn't even look like snot it looks like enhanced snot it looks so fucking gross in the live action and it makes me so uncomfortable when
1: he snorts it up It's still live action and Mm -hmm. I literally shuddered.
0: I'm not kidding. But then
1: when it cuts to the animation of what happened because he snorted, I went, oh, thank God. Yeah. You know, like, (laughs) thank God we're back. (laughs) Right. It's really interesting. And it's the same stuff. It's not different, but just the live action
0: version of it. Yeah. I think it's something about the color palette of this movie, which is very vibrant and actually really well done. Very engaging in the animation. Um but the, while still the,
1: maintaining a feeling of organic, yeah, matter, the gross Everything stuff, feels like like the snot organic is material, a
0: green, but it's sort of like almost a little bit of a gray green, but still vibrant enough to be like that's just gross material, huh? But not like, yeah, that's
1: snot, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and that's and and that's how like everything is too. they There are moments where, uh, characters jump out of windows and it's not glass, right? Because it's like a it's like a membrane, yeah. The, or like when doors yeah. open, they like right, yeah. And it's like
0: it, everything and about they even, it even like, feels when he walked into the like boss cop's office and it closed, and there was like the sound of a like door slam too. But it didn't <laughs> yeah. feel like they just added and that on. And it felt it felt right. This is kind of
1: uh, slightly different, but part of that moment too, we see the name Chief on the door Mm -hmm. and it resembled a lot of uh, the way that Chief was written was in a font that was how like fire looked or when something exploded, we would see it looked like, you know, like two dots with a line connecting them or like, you Mm -hmm. know, they looked like the structures of like what things would be on a molecular level because we are. We're on a molecular level. So fire doesn't just look like fire anymore we literally see like in outside of the fire we see like the uh i want to say it's like the chemical fucking design <laughs> Yeah, you know what no, i mean totally. by that yeah that shit really impressed me because i i feel like that would be so easy to not add just yeah. all the little details like that but they did it or like how his car looks like a brush underneath right just like floats it's, it's totally like, yeah like
0: a bug almost and yeah, the the way they make everything sort of membranous—I think that's a word. Yeah, like, he even yeah. says it at one point. Yeah, like, he look does. at
1: my clear membrane. Right. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. I'm a white blood cell. Yeah, that's that was like the only clunky part of writing, and the animation part was as soon because they had to get us to understand what the fuck <laughs> is going on. Yeah. So he true. was like, "Look, it. I'm a germ. I'm a white blood cell. We're in a body. Yeah. And then after that, we were good. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> yeah. I like the references to Frank being, like, God. Right. Like, oh, oh Frank, Frank, don't do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right. Thank
0: Frank, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, for all of the animation, enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I cringed a lot. <laughs> At a lot of the decisions made. I mean, not just the gross stuff, but some just decisions made in the live action stuff and the, the writing. Of I want to shout
1: out one good live action moment. Yeah. And it happened at the end of the movie. <laughs> and it's as they're hiking to the top of this mountain. And he goes, I didn't think I was going to work up a sweat, but I really did. And she goes, yeah, it was a long drive up. Yeah. And the camera pans. And we see that he drove the whole way. Yeah. It's a that start. was really funny. That, that cracked funny. me the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, though. Yeah.
0: That's about (laughs) it. Um, I think it's time that we nail down a kid moment of the week. Kid moment of the week. Hell yeah. yeah. This is going to be kind of a hard one to do that with a pretty funny movie. I feel like most of the moments that I feel like I would want to nominate are either stuff that I – laughed at slightly more because i'm an adult and i understand some of the innuendo and stuff going on but also all of the other stuff feels sort of at the same level you know there's a lot of just like solid little jokes and little moments um there's one i want to i want to bring up and it's not even like i think there's funnier things in this movie but i think it's a solid kid moment when osmosis jones is giving the chief some you know sort of giving him a hard time and he walks over and grabs his membranous face and just goes good guy bad guy good guy bad guy you know what I'm talking about <laughs> yes he stretches his face into a smile and squishes it back down and it's like highlighting how squishy and like you know uh, moldable they are and I feel like as a kid I even kind of a little bit I don't know if it's just like me thinking I remembered it but I feel like I remember that
1: moment I think I do too
0: it feels like a thing yeah you got one. Um,
1: ooh, I kinda really liked when they're trying to get into that club and Osmosis does a whole like <laughs> changes his whole face, yeah. body, gets uh like totally cool hair squishes his eyes. And together, then we the just hair. hear Drix try to do it yeah. and pan over to him, and he just <laughs> fucked up his head. Like <laughs> that really cracked me up. And I was yeah. just like, oh man, like And then he just pops it all back in place, thank God. totally. It was like, holy shit, you just tried.
0: There's (laughs) one other quick thing that I thought was funny. I I think this is not necessarily something a kid would appreciate as much, but I just wanted to bring it up. When Drix is leaving, he's backing up his stuff, and he has a little suitcase, and the only thing he packs is a hanger with boxers that say, I heart Frank on it. (laughs) And he just puts it in the suitcase and closes it. Which is you what know, is like, he gonna do with those? He New doesn't York. even have legs, right, like, <laughs> 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 and they have two pant legs. Uh, but I think, I think probably I would agree with you on the the molding, and then Drix trying it and <laughs> just <laughs> breaking his head. I like that moment. Classic kid moment. Is that a kid moment? Uh, you're it's... not sold, are you? I don't know. I, I... I feel like okay. there's better
1: ones. One but... more, yeah. That just is so much a kid moment. It's not even funny. Yeah. The very end of the movie, when the mayor is like, I wonder what this button does, and then pushes it and then just gets (laughs) flown (laughs) off the screen. And then we cut to live action. Just,
0: okay, you know what? I think not only is that a slightly better kid moment that kids would laugh at and appreciate, but I think it's also a better uh, embodiment and like encapsulation of this movie in general. Yeah i agree (laughs) that moment oh man well uh thank you all for listening to this episode um i hope you get the chance to watch this movie actually because it i enjoyed it i really did i thought the animation was really good yeah and
1: looking at critical reviews i think it is clear like you said that the live action is what most people had a problem with and i think if that if those parts of those reviews didn't exist this movie would be a
0: lot higher acclaim yeah you know but it or really would is, have a lot higher acclaim it, it really is only like a quarter of the movie yeah most exactly. of the movie is the animation so <laughs> come on it's only a <laughs> yeah. quarter of like it's hard to say yeah, that yeah i mean but, it is but
1: yeah, i don't know give it a, if you give like it a try, bill yeah, murray fuck watch the shit oh. out of this <laughs> yeah. i think you and i are
0: two of the few people who are just a little like yeah i've heard some him, stories from people that i know yeah. who have personal experiences with him but uh yep. anyway thank you for listening to this episode <laughs> we are going to be taking an episode off so this coming sunday there will not be an episode um Just due to uh, personal scheduling and stuff, but we will be back with Season 3, Episode 1 of Avatar, uh, one week from today, next Wednesday. I don't remember exactly what date that is. I think it's like the 2nd of December or something, but we will be having special guests on... Tyler and Serena of The Avatar Podcast, who do a very similar thing that we do, uh, watch the show and recap it and talk about it, give their takes on it. They'll be joining us to start off season three, so uh, very excited about that. It's going to be a great time. Um, Yeah. Thanks to Sofina Sago for our podcast logo, if you have the ability to Uh, check out some of the donation links in the description on how you can help out the Black Lives Matter movement. I always have uh, rotating every week, pick a different one to feature. If you want to like once a week, check in on that. And if you have the ability to give, you know, even five bucks, like it, any amount helps these things so much. If you're looking for other podcasts to listen to, You can always check out our actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Legendary 4 Adventures. Space Vampires. Thank you, Gary. That is uh, on the same streaming sites as this, you know, Spotify, iTunes, others, and uh, you can also find all these episodes, all those episodes on legendary4.com. All of the episodes have comment sections. We'd love to hear from you. Leave a comment, uh, even if it's just like, hey, nice app, or uh, loved Osmosis Jones, or that zit was so gross. Emoji, 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 emoji. <laughs> Leave us those. We want to see it. Yeah. We, we want it. I want to hear about it. I want to hear your takes. So uh, you can also follow us on social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at New Lens Pod. And I think that's all uh, that we have for this episode. Thanks again for listening. I'm Calvin. And I'm Gary. This has been A New Lens.